Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the very first of an episode of the No Filter Podcast. I am delighted to be joined here with the fantastic Joe Walsh, former U.S. Congressman, candidate for president, night conservative talk show host, someone I've wanted to get on this podcast for a long, long time, someone whose courage, political and otherwise, I have tremendous respect for. So, Joe, first of all, let me welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for coming on today. Hey, Phil, it's great to be with you. It's an honor. Thank you, man. Me. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about you for my audience. Some of the people that will be listening to this will be from Europe. So I want you to tell them a little bit about who you are. So in, in, uh, in 30 seconds, I, I was the face of the Tea Party movement. Got elected to Congress back in 2010, went there to raise hell. I raised hell. Did a lot of crazy things, said a lot of crazy things, got myself in trouble plenty. Um, I voted for Trump in 2016 because I knew why people voted for him. Biggest mistake I've ever made. I wish I could take it back. Um, I then did everything I could to try to oppose Trump these last five to six years. I've been a Republican my whole life, but I left the party two and a half years ago because there's no room for an anti-Trump person in that party. Who shaped your views growing up, Joe? Why be why a conservative uh, representative? Who was your biggest influences on you growing up? It's a great question. I've I've always my background is kind of a social worker and a teacher. Mm -hmm. I've always believed we got problems in this country. Um, it we the people should help solve the problems, not government. So I've always believed kind of in a limited role of government, and that's kind of formed my general libertarian philosophy yeah. of. Let me live my life. Leave me alone. Government does some things, but not everything. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, and I think, you know, my I've always wanted my values to dictate my politics rather than my politics dictate my values, which leads yeah. me to be politically homeless at times because I don't I can, you know, subscribe to the tribalism that says, let me parse this through a filter of what does my side think so that I'm accepted by my in-group. And I espouse views that I don't really believe. I give you tremendous credit for that. Um, you said something there that was really interesting. You said you knew why people voted for Trump. Why did they vote for Trump? Uh, by the way, it, I'm, I'm glad to be politically homeless with you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Joe. Uh, look, easy. Our political system in America is broken. I don't know, Phil, if I need to watch my language here. Tell no, me if I go do. ahead. You, you, okay, you, you, I'm gonna, I, I'll start over. Our political system in America is fucking broken. Mm -hmm. It really is. This, this predates Trump. Both political parties kind of suck. Most Americans believe that our political system is no longer listening to them. The same people, that, that's the kind of person who voted for Trump. That kind of person is the same person who voted for me and sent me to Congress. I agreed with them. I understood how screwed up our politics was. We needed a disruption, right? Because we needed disruption. So I understood why the appeal of Trump, because he was a disruptor. The problem is there are good disruptors and bad. He's an evil disruptor. When you first saw him come onto the scene, I was never taken in by his charisma. I, I look at America through a totally different lens. I'm an immigrant, and most of immigrants' Amer view of America is shaped by Hollywood. Um, you know, America exports its culture more than anything else. So 
Most yeah. immigrants have an unbelievably positive charitable view of America because they're, you know, they're, they're being sold the American hero in movies and, and different. So I look at this guy and to me, uh, he couldn't be more uh, different from what I expected an American hero to be. He was the most unpatriotic, mendacious, uh, clearly calm man to me, and he never bought into um, even because he didn't. It wasn't representative of conservative politics either for me. I, I, it was complete distortion from what I, I mean from Reagan uh, as conservatism to what Trump was. Did you buy into him in the beginning, or was it just because this was politically expedient to do so? Um, my biggest mistake, Phil, was uh, I didn't fucking pay attention to him. I didn't take him seriously. Yeah. When Trump came on the scene, I'm on 200 radio stations around the country. Yeah. I'm on Fox News every day. I'm a big conservative talker. Um, I didn't pay attention to him. I, 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 I didn't know that much about him. I never watched The Apprentice. I figured... I really did. I figured he's just a jerk and a goof. <laughs> if he gets elected, maybe he'll hire a few good people. Yeah. Maybe he'll play a shitload of golf and, and nothing bad will happen. And maybe a couple of good things might happen. I, I screwed up. I, I should have paid more attention because he's much worse than that. I was listening to an interview uh, with, with Andrew Yang and he was lamenting how difficult it is to get commensurate airplay from all the media outlets who, of course, pick their candidate and then eliminate the competition. Do you feel that the media are also have a responsibility in how they amplified his image and how they normalized a lot of what he did? He, even, I don't care if you're a liberal or if you're a conservative media outlet, Trump was golden for your ratings. And think about it, Phil. Trump didn't have to raise a dollar in that 2016 campaign. The media gave him like a billion and a half dollars of free publicity. Yeah. But but yes, so they should be blamed. But I get it, right? I mean, again, our politics was broken. Politicians on both sides suck. Hillary Clinton, you talk about the poster yeah. child for an elite out-of-touch politician. Here comes this guy that like nobody really had seen on the political scene before. I think we all got caught up in him. The media got caught on up, up in him. Man, great ratings and great money. So they fed him too. And this brings me back to a bigger problem with the media um, and the antecedents to this, because the media in many ways lost the raison d'etre, which is to inform. It's not to entertain. And if you go back to America in the 70s, say the Vietnam War, where there was no bipartisan news, there was no political commentators, and the line is always blurred between the commentator and the journalist, and people don't always understand the difference. But you weren't being told how to feel about a certain thing. Walter Cronkite informed you of the news, and Americans went away and formed their own opinions. And, and they weren't having the outside influences, the perturbations of social media as well. But now the movies, I mean, I heard Trump talk a lot about ratings. You know, we did this and it had 7 million, 10 million views. But this isn't entertainment. This is not supposed to rate ratings. This is supposed to be informing. And, and you can be informing and entertaining in this square, but not in the media square, in my opinion. And I think that they lost sight of what the responsibility was in, 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 a, in, in a democracy like the U.S. Completely. But, but that all predated Trump. Um, yes, absolutely. You're right. 
you're right, the media no longer informs. Um, sadly, most people don't want to be informed. They yes. want their beliefs confirmed. So it's a vicious cycle. You talk about Walter Cronkite and the media in the good old days. A lot of truth to the fact that they informed. But Walter Cronkite and those media guys back then were generally left of center. Yeah. Uh, and we learned a lot about that after they left the scene. So the mm -hmm. media in America has always been left of center. Yes. The right Probably. got pissed off about that. Hence, Fox News came sure. into being. And, and so Fox News was a, an ugly reaction to what they rightly saw as some bias, like my mm -hmm. voices aren't being heard. Of course. So Fox, Fox News did their thing. And then along comes MSNBC to do their thing. Mm -hmm. Phil, look at CNN right now. I mean, what are, what are they? They're trying to inform and they're losing audience. Yeah, I, I completely agree that, um, you know, this is exacerbated, unfortunately, by algorithms on the Internet. They group yeah. us into, you know, because the, the Internet normalizes all bullshit. You can believe anything you want. You'll find a website and you'll find a, a, a group Amen. that, 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 yep. that endorses this. This is why epistemology is so important in how we educate our kids is so important so that reasoning will prevent you from falling foul to stupid uh, uh, extrapolations. Uh, and that also brings me to my next concern about the fight over uh, academics and, and the fight over a curriculum. It's vitally important that we have an educated base in this country, or it's going to have to come from abroad. If you don't want mass immigration to fuel your economy, you have to educate your people. It's as simple as that. If you look at Germany, Nazi Germany went from fascism in the 40s to Berlin being one of the most tolerant countries or cities in the world. You could be openly gay in Berlin. And I believe that happened because they taught their history, not from a position of pride, from a position of shame, not celebrating colonialism. You know what? We own this country. We bombed this guy. We did this guy. We did this. We did. No, this is how we don't repeat this. Okay. I'm not blaming the current generation. I'm saying we must learn from the mistakes of the past. I grew up in a country that was deeply divided in conflict, and I understand part of the reason why. Education is so important, Joe, to the future and how we have these conversations in the future. Phil, it's probably the most important thing you've ever said. Um, and in America, you know, we, we have an array of educational options. And if parents aren't happy with the public schools, the government-run schools, mm -hmm. boom, they, can, they, they have other options. Of course, you have to have money to have other options. Right. Um, but this is analogous to everything we're talking about. Um, I think it's a problem on both sides, but it's most pronounced on my, side, on my side of the right. Because my side on the right has now fully become radicalized. And, and by the way, Phil, full disclosure, I helped radicalize them. I, 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 I acknowledge that. They no longer believe in truth. Uh, they've given up on democracy. And why Trump? They, they want like a, a strong man to give them the America they want back. Yeah, That's where the right in this country is. And, and even if Trump went away tomorrow, that's where my former party is. Ron DeSantis is a cheap imitation of Trump. Same thing. But that's now driving one of America's two major political parties. 
Yeah, you, you, you mentioned something there that is quite interesting to me because I think the intellectual dishonesty is on both sides and it happens in different ends of the spectrum. I think on the left, you get it at the top end at universities where there's enormous threats being put on universities to not be intellectually honest about things because yeah. people don't like what's being taught, which I think is, is extremely perfidious. But then in the right, you tend to get it more at the bottom end about what's being taught in early education, about what uh, the propodetics are in early education. Um, well, actually, and you know what, Phil, you're right. Yeah. And for years, we've seen people on the left try to silence speech yeah. that they disagreed with or felt uncomfortable around. Yeah. I mean, the antithesis of where the left was in the 60s, the free speech era. So, but now, now the right reacting to that is doing the same damn thing, trying to ban books and ban yeah. certain speech. It, so, it's, it's ugly on both sides, but I think it's worse on the right now. I think, yeah, there's that. So, so when I look at uh, certain things, I, I look at something like segregation, for example, <clears throat> and the general consensus is we've come a long way since then. But what we, did, what we did more than anything is we police language. You can't say this, you can't say this, you can't say this, you can't say this. We didn't police attitudes. So therefore, when a Trump comes along and says there is no social consequence to pay for exposing certain views that you couldn't before, then it bubbles back to the surface. So I think when you're the left of policing language, and also punishing people for someone like yourself who would go, you know what, I was wrong yesterday. I saw the error of my ways. I want to be right. Well, you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to do that. If we can't do this through conversation, what other means and what other incentives do we give people to try? To, because our conversation is all we have to, right? Because compulsion does not work, right? Demanding people think, think a certain way always leads to problems. You have to convince someone, right? You have to do that through conversation. And I think that social media has really destroyed the body politic in a way, because now we have a situation like yourself. There may be other people like you that just say, you know, what? I don't need to fucking hustle. I don't need my, I'm yeah. not getting canceled. I'm not having my family. I'm not losing all my friends. I'm not losing my end group. I'm not, it takes a lot of balls to do that. I, uh, Phil, I took a blowtorch to my career. <laughs> yeah. I, I commend um, but, you for that, my friend. But, but in knowing that, like the right now views me as a traitor. I left yeah. my family and, and yeah. many and most people on the left, even though they appreciate the way I fight Trump and Trumpism, mm -hmm. the people on the left, most of them will never embrace me. Um, but, but you're right. It's all about conversing across that divide. And you're also right in that I describe myself as a woke conservative. I love the term woke. To me, all that means is I've gained an awareness yeah. um, that there's still systemic injustices in this country. I didn't know that five years ago. Now I have it. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but you can't, as you said, force people to be woke. You got to educate them. Mm -hmm. You got to teach them. You got to help them get there. Social experience to me is... Um... It, it, it is a wonderful educator. Um, and you're going to know this. You come from a benevolent background. You're someone that was a social worker. 
So in your previous occupation, you will have seen people. Do I'm a, I'm a recovering addict. Right? Uh, this all happened by God accident. God bless you, man. Well, 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 at 30 years of age, I had the perfect life here. I had I was about to be married. I had a child. I just opened my own business. And I just bought my first house. I walked in three weeks before Christmas and found my wife dead. Right, so mm-hmm. she had died of congestive heart failure. My baby was between her feet. It, it oh, destroyed man. me. I had PTSD, the worst. I, I, my physical health was failing, so I was on opiates for years. Got off it anyway. One of the things that I realized is when we see things like addiction, mental health issues, the vast majority of those are people self-medicating tremendous emotional pain, and yet we criminalize mental health. One of the things that happened to me a week after this had happened, I went to my doctor and I told him some of the things. I, I clearly, I was experiencing mental health issues, right? There was things going on in the house that you would say were esoteric or whatever, right? Yeah. So then he's my doctor. My doctor said to me, if I refer you to a social worker or a therapist, you could lose your child. And so I was denied mental health treatment at the time when I badly needed it, which exacerbated, then threw me into addiction because I had to cope some other way. But we criminalize this too. And it's, that to me is unbelievably sad that we, we, the, the, we know better and we're putting people that are struggling in prison for things like addiction, yet people that launder money for cartels are getting the cost of doing business fine. That to me is it's a bit hard to, to, to square in a country that defines itself by its values. Um, first off, my friend, uh, I am so, 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 so sorry. That's um, all good. No, no, man. Thank you. Uh, brother, I'm, if, if I'm with you right now, I'm fucking hugging you. I'm giving thank you a you, big Joe. old bear hug. Thank and you. and um, thank you uh, for recovering from that place you were in. Um, thank and, you, Joe. God bless you for where you are now. Look, there, it's so ass backwards. There's a stigma to, to mental health. Yeah. Um, we wrestled with this when I was in Congress. We should treat mental health the same way we treat physical health. Yes. No difference, no distinction. Agree. We're, we're almost getting there. Yeah, I would love to see something that integrated into our education that teaches things like, it doesn't have to be pharmaceutical, but certain things like uh, like, like meditation and what have you, and teach kids yeah. how to deal with mental issues. Um, because we deal with, obviously, we, 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 we deal with things like we have to do school shooter drills in schools. We have to prepare kids for, for different traumatic events as they grow in their life. And these things have, especially mental health, it's such a huge issue right now. Yeah. When you say our politics is broken, what is the main reason for that? Is it, is it lobbyists? Is it a multidimensional issue? Is it the incentives? What, what is the main reason for the system being broken? I think our political structure in this country, Phil, has reached a point where it's no longer reaching the needs of the American people. Yes. We can argue about that. I would argue it's gotten too big, too out of touch, Mm -hmm. um, uh, too divisive. And we have structural issues in this country, Uh, gerrymandering, uh, only two political parties, Uh, uh, the electoral college, um, the way we elect people, um, the fact that we've got so many 70, 80, and almost 90-year-olds still serving. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, I, I said before Trump, and I still believe this, I said this way before Trump, I don't know if the American experiment's going to make it. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I, I think if you started America right now, 
and you took all 50 states as we are geographically right now, I don't think you'd make us into one country. Mm. I think you might divide us up into five or six or seven countries. Maybe we'd be more like Europe. We'd be a bunch of different countries. Maybe Texas would be its own country. Maybe Indiana would. I really believe that's kind of where we're at right now. And so the only thing that's going to stop that, I think, is revolutionary change from outside of our politics. I think when you get a huge country like this that encompasses so many different identities, it's very difficult to get a unifying identity because people identify with... I'm a Los Angelino, or I'm a New Yorker, or I'm a you know they, yeah. I'm from the Bronx. I'm, you know, I know And when you try to impose an identity on someone, then you have a problem. And I noticed from where I grew up, you know, we're deeply divided based on identity. And what I what the other side doesn't understand is that the only way for there to be peace, so that people aren't voting along ideological lines, they're, be, they're voting on politicians based on what social policies they offer, not a protest vote against the other side, or based on things like identity. I don't think people in Denmark are going to the polls voting on what it means to be Danish. I think that's a subtle question. But we do that here because it's such a huge country and, and, and identity is so yeah. diverse. Um, but I think, uh, like I was saying, I mean, in Ireland, we have this huge issue whether we should be United Ireland or whether we should be part of Britain. And the, 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 the conversation, the only way to get peace is to convince people to be part of a union with the UK, be part of a union with Ireland, not to compel them, well, you must be this way, um, because then you constantly yeah. get revolution. And I think this is where the mistake is made and why conversation is so important about trying to restore some centre, because we don't have a centre anymore, Joe. The, the media uh, has completely destroyed that. And uh, just to, to bring this back, I was listening to an interview the other day with Fiona Hill, who was a, uh, uh, she of course testified mm-hmm. in Trump's impeachment trial. She's from the UK and she was a for- special Russian advisor. Um, she was saying when she came to the US in the 80s, it was very difficult to determine what people's political persuasion was and it was much more fluid. Now it's like sports teams. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Um. I'd only add it's like sports teams, but not only do you want to beat the other team, you want to kill them. Yes. Like you don't you don't only want to score more points than they do. You'd like to literally kill a few members of their team. So it's like, look, this is we're beginning. We're beginning the the conversation about whether we want to stay together. I think America, Mm -hmm. Phil, is like a, a married couple. And, and we got to go through therapy. Do we want to keep it together? As you keep saying here, conversation, we got to talk about it. Should we stay together? Well, it's something worth saving. As someone who's lived in other parts of the world, the best of America is worth saving. And to me, there's no problem that exists here that isn't a human problem. It's not, you know, it's not unique to America. We have human problems here. Um, but the best of America is worth saving to. And I, I, I need to try to paint. Sometimes Americans don't understand this. When I was growing up in a deeply divided conflict, um, America represented hope to me. As a kid, I used to walk to work. I remember I used to look at the airplanes overhead going, one day I'm going to be on one of these. My uncle was an engineer for Boeing. So America represented emancipation from all the worst aspects of oppression, of you know, of all of the, the things that a human being shouldn't experience. And I 
this is why I was talking about earlier about America, most immigrants' fear of America is is the best it could be is 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 to see the best in this country, and for the most part, the way I've been treated in this country has been exemplary. Vast majority of people here have been absolutely first class. Uh, but what I find is when I meet people with opposing political views, um, they're much more nuanced when I meet them than what I see on the internet. And then, and, and I think part of the problem with the internet too is it's a really terrible way to deliver a message. For example, uh, I'll hear someone talk about abortion, right? And my view on abortion is women should have the right to choose. But when I hear it explained in certain nuanced terms rather than the headline, even if I don't agree, I can see where someone's coming from. And I think so many of us don't read past the headline when it comes to the message that's being delivered. And I think the internet has really destroyed how we communicate. Uh, the internet has made us hyper, hyper divided as well. Mm -hmm. um, look, I, born and raised in this country, really lived here my whole life. Americans are clueless about the rest of the world. Let's just mm -hmm. start there. Every time Americans' knowledge of the world has been compared to other countries' knowledge of the world in America, we always rate the lowest. So we, you know, there are a lot of tough people walking around right now saying Texas should secede or we should have fighting the South against the West. We have no fucking clue as to what it really means to fight in real sustained violence in divided countries. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so we need to wake up to that. I will tell you this, when I speak to other immigrants that come from countries that have had conflict situations, we are concerned about yeah. what we see here, about the, because we saw the antecedents to our conflict and we see this, the, the, the social fabric being pulled apart, which inevitably will lead to conflict. Uh, it's happened here before. I mean, I'm, I drink in bars in Ireland that are older than this country. Right? So this is still <laughs> relatively new history. Right? So this can happen again. Uh, you obviously love this country. I love this country very much. Are you concerned, Joe, about our future? I, uh, I'm a dark Irishman. You may, uh, Phil, you're probably, I don't know if you're a dark Irishman. I'm a dark Irishman. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, I'm bearish on America's future. I have said publicly for eight years now that we have not been this divided since just before the civil war. I believe that. And, and again, this isn't Trump. Trump yeah. is the ugly, ugly consequence mm -hmm. of a divided country. Uh, there will be uglier consequences. And I worry, I think we're in for a long, bumpy, ugly road. What do you think we get with the Republicans in the house for the next two years? Just revenge, just fucking revenge. Yeah. Uh, they're going to investigate every Democrat they can investigate. They're going to talk about Hunter Biden and a laptop. They're going to haul Dr. Fauci in front of a bunch of committees. They're going to investigate shit and try to impeach <laughs> some Democrats because they're pissed off at the way the Democrats treated Trump. That's all you're going to get. Do you think it was politically motivated to go to investigate Trump over the um, the, the top secret documents, Mar-a-Lago? Oh, God, no. God, no. But again, I, I, I talk to a lot of Republican voters. They believe in this thing called the deep state, like FBI was going after Trump. No, Trump broke another law. He had no right to do what he did there. Um, generally, when you look at the last six years, it was always Trump doing something wrong, bad, criminal or traitorous. 
and then being investigated. Yeah. And Trump would paint himself as a victim. His base would buy it. And then they'd turn on the organizations investigating him. I will say this. I was reading online a small sample size, um, but after he criticized DeSantis, uh, there seemed to be a lot more pushback from Republicans about Trump and a, a lot more willing to come out and call him out uh, in a way that they may, perhaps wouldn't before. Is there a increase in recognition amongst conservative voters that there's a Trump problem? Yes. Now, the caveat here is he's still the odds-on favorite to be the nominee. He's still the leader of the Republican Party. Uh, he is a cult leader, unlike most politicians. 30% of Republicans will, will die for him. Um, but you're right. He's losing support from the other 60% of Republicans. But we've been down this road before. I remember after January 6th, I would hear every day for a couple of weeks from Republicans who told me, Joe, that's it. I'm done with him. Yeah. But that all changed in a few months. So I don't know if it's permanent. Well, to be fair, I mean, you've been through this. Has there been any moments of regret on your part where you said, you know what, I wish I had my old life back? Because let's be honest, Joe, right? We're all hypocrites. And we're all doing bullshit every day for someone we don't want to work for, for someone we don't necessarily believe in, because at the end of the day, we're trying to put food on our table for our kids. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It takes enormous balls to come out, especially when you have a following your size. And it'd be so easy to play to the choir and, and, and get all the social rewards that come with that. And it's not just you, it's your family that takes this grief. It's your, your social circle. Everything completely changes. And, and you, you feel those eyes burn on you differently when you're out in the bud, uh, rather than approval. It's the fuck you eyes, you know, piece of shit, uh -huh. all this. I, I mean, that's hard for a human being to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, and, and remember, Phil, uh, it's why very few Republicans have done what I did. Yes. Because if you do what I did, you're done. You're yeah. ruined. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've had, over the last five or six years, I've had plenty of my former colleagues in conservative media and, and in Congress privately tell me, uh, way to go, man. I wish yeah. I had those balls. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> do I have any regrets? No. Um, I did destroy my life and my career, and I've put up with death threats for the last five years. But Phil, you, I mean, you know, man, I'm no hero. I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't do what I did. In a weird way, I had to do what I did because I, I couldn't sleep at night if I hadn't. Yeah, but I, I still think there's tremendous uh, courage in what you did because, I mean, there's so many of us that are doing exactly the opposite. And I mean, this is part of my problem with social media is 99% of what happens on there is bullshit. If you really want to see the truth, you need to read someone's burner account. Because most of yeah. us, when we're tweeting something, we're parsing it through a couple of different filters. Is this going to get me canceled? Is this what was, how is this going to land amongst my end group? Right? Oh shit, I better not say this. Let me say this. So once you do that, it's completely mendacious anyway. And that's 99% of what you see in social media. So yeah. you're in that 1% of people that's willing to go, fuck it, I'm just going to throw it. I don't care what the consequences are. Uh, how, did, how did that play with your family? Were they, did, I, I hope they saw the, 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 the heroism in it, that. It, it, well, uh, my wife, yeah, look, it didn't play well. I, I lost, 
I lost almost all of my friends. Um, I've lost all my supporters and followers and voters. Um, uh, my wife understands, loves, and appreciates what I did, but Phil, financially, we took a hit like, <laughs> I've never cared, thank God I've never cared about money, but we got slammed. Um, yeah, of course, it kind of minds Most, even good friends, Phil, looked at me these last few years, and even like lovingly, they said, Joe or Joey, do, do, are you, do you really want to do this? It's like they didn't understand. I get a lot of that. You talked about the death threats. I mean, that must be extremely difficult for you and your family because you never know what, I mean, you saw what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. You never know which one of them is going to be legit. There's so many lunatics out there. It's one thing you don't take chances with. It's your safety and your families. Um, is is that a serious concern for you every day? Always. Yeah. And, and it was from the moment I publicly stood up against Donald Trump five years ago, uh, they they began. And as a former member of Congress, I'm obligated to report the ones I think are like really serious. But but you you're right, Phil. How do I know what's serious or just a nutbag? Um, it's it's really difficult to live with, um, as much for my family. But again, and this is a big reason why I've had former Republican congressmen tell me privately, this is why they're afraid to speak out against Trump. Mm. because they don't want to get the death threats. They yeah, say that. They're worried about their physical safety. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, even if I... I don't I, I excuse that shit. Yeah. Yeah, it takes enormous balls to do what you've done. Um, do you think we need a third-party system in this country? Do you think that we need to divide the two-party system? I mean, I've heard Andrew Yang talk about this, and I've heard a lot of Democrats and Republicans reel against this for splitting the vote, obviously. But... There's clearly people on the left that don't feel represented by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There's people on the right that don't feel represented by DeSantis or Trump um, because, the, you know, it's such a broad brush of what is conservative and what is a Democrat. Um, do you think we need a, a, another a party that is uh, a bit more bipartisan? I think we need four parties more than we need three. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think we need coalition government. We need a far right party, a center right party, a center left party, and a far left party. Um, I, and I think we're very awkwardly getting there. We're going to reach a critical mass in the next few years where somebody's just going to say time out. Somebody with a lot of money, maybe somebody with a big name is going to say time out. Republicans suck, Democrats suck. Yeah. I'm starting this, or I'm going to run for president as this. And what then about you? something. You want to get back huh? into politics? What about you? You want to get back into politics? I'm not going to lie. I'd love to. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to because I, I think I have something more to give, but I just don't have a team right now. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Um, um, a few more questions, Joe. I appreciate your time. Um, let me talk to you about your, your personal life, because you said something there that uh, you, you took a financial hit. Um, are you able to make a living? Are you able to do all right? Is it, I mean, and, and how does that affect your mental health? <laughs> That's what's so funny, Phil. Like, I'll get accused a lot of being a grifter. I know. Like, I'm making a shitload of money every time I go on CNN or MSNBC. I don't make a dime. Um, no, I'm not. And you haven't been paid for this interview either. Which oh, I need God, to pause it. God, no. Um, uh, 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 look, there are a lot of people in America hurting. 
I'm 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 living paycheck to paycheck, uh, just just trying to struggle and get by as best as I can. Um, it's not easy, but you know, hopefully, I'll find a spot. In many ways, it makes your heroism even more commendable because you didn't have the the comfort of being able to fall back on a huge. I wish I were independently wealthy, Phil. <laughs> you just need to get back into politics. What do you like to do outside of politics for fun? You into sports, music? What's your what's what what type of sports do you love? Uh, uh, well, love love watching all. Mostly love watching golf and football, and I still love baseball. What, uh, when I get off the battlefield every day to relax, man, I fucking love dogs. I've got two big labs. I live with my dogs. Dogs are better than people. Um, I go for long walks. I read books. I watch. My favorite thing to do to relax out of all that is Turner Classic movies. I watch old Hollywood movies from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. I just eat it up. What's your favorite movie of all time? Um, you may not know this one. Uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance, John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. I know, I've heard of it. Yeah, Great I haven't watched old it. Old Western. Yes, um, my father loved John Wayne. Um, music. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched. I watched a lot when we were growing up. I would used to have westerns on every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as I said, American culture. We you know it's funny because the UK sitcoms they're built around common life bars, you know, mechanics and stuff. I'm watching yeah. American TV, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Who the fuck doesn't want to live in an apartment with Jennifer Aniston, New York? Kids going <laughs> to school in Ferraris and shit. I'm like, I want to go there. Oh, yeah. sunshine, everything's perfect, you know. Um, but uh, yeah. music wise, who, who, tell me, tell me, who, who, who do you listen to? I, I, I grew up a on? classic rock guy. I lo loved Tom Petty, loved the Brilliant. Stones, uh, loved David Bowie. Um, I've been uh, I've been on a real REM kick the last year or two, um, but generally 70s and early 80s rock and roll. Yeah, same for me. Some, I think uh, we've lost some, some of the, the great 70s, oh, God, 80s yeah. rock bands. I mean, Jesus Christ, the, 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 yeah. the quality. All right, so last question. Uh, what does the next five, six, 10 years look for you? Do you want to stay in broadcasting? Do you enjoy broadcasting? Um, you, you have your own podcast or your own radio show, right? Yeah, um, I uh, I don't know. I, I, I'll give you an honest answer, Phil. I don't know what the next five years mm -hmm. look like. I, I, I didn't know what these last five would look like um, getting off the train I was on. Um, all I know is this. I, I have a unique voice. I've been on a unique road. I, I want to find a platform, the biggest platform I can have for that voice, because I think it could help people. I want to stay in this fight to try to save this fucking country. Thank uh, you, and thank so you. I know I'll do that in some capacity until I die. So I have tremendous admiration for you as a human being. Um, I think what you do is tremendously courageous and an example to so many other people about being intellectually honest uh, despite the consequences to yourself. There are so few people like you, my friend, and I am extremely grateful you took the time to spend talking to me and give me an hour of your time. I know you're busy. Thank you for that. Hey, can I say one thing, Phil? Go ahead, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Not, not for what you just said, but thank you for sitting down with me. This has been one of the most interesting, enjoyable, thought-provoking conversations I've had 
in wow. years. You're damn good at what you do, brother. That is a huge compliment, Joe, and that means an awful lot to me. Uh, that's something I'll never forget. Thank you so much, my friend. You got and it, ho man. Hopefully we can do this again. Take Thank care, you, boss. Take care, buddy.